That's actually a really good segue, I think, into what, uh, what I want to share with you this morning, this idea of this holy God. Um, holy God, uh, to whom all praises do I stand in awe of you. You know, um, I was thinking about some of the things that we talked about last week. Uh, we kind of left it at this. Uh, we started it out, and we kind of left it at this, that you and I, we reflect who we are. <laughs> now think about that for a moment. We reflect who we are, because we really do. We reflect who we are. We, we've kind of focused on that. We've talked about standing you know, firm and all that kind of stuff, and we talked about being Christians in the world throughout. And, and yet the, the, the things that, that we do is no matter what, we reflect who we in fact are. Whatever is internal to you, whatever you've become, that's what is visible, in other words, on the outside. And so the challenge I think that we have as followers of Jesus is actually to reflect who we ought to be. To reflect who we're becoming and and that's what again what we talked about last week we talked about the fact that we are disciples of Jesus in fact we are followers of, of Jesus and we said that a disciple of Jesus is is someone who in fact has the mind of Jesus or it has the mind or has in mind the things of God and I, I guess what I what I want to do this morning is I just want to expand a little bit on that theme uh, that idea of reflecting who we are and I just want to highlight another term that is used in the New Testament that is also used to describe a follower of Jesus. We have, last week we talked about disciple. You know, I think that disciples of Jesus was the title of my message. But here it is. This is what I want to focus on the, this week. And so this, this ought to drive you crazy maybe a little bit. The Bible says that you and I are saints. We're saints. Okay. So, um, interestingly enough, I, I look at the, the culture that we live in. I, I look at, um, I, I, I got on, on the, uh, the news networks and was reading all the things and story after story that I was picking up. And I, I'd read through about maybe a paragraph with some stuff. And I kind of go, that's kind of depressing. And I turn it off or I, I turn the, well, I didn't turn the page. I, I clicked the button and, and went to the next story and, and, and another depressing story or some other focus from you ever anybody ever watch the news anybody watch the news anymore okay how many of you watch look at it on your computer okay you'd look at it on your computer or you watch it on the the six o'clock news or you know we have a 20 i realized that as i was looking at this that that um that whole six o'clock news thing is is no longer we don't have that really we have a 24 7 news cycle is what we have and Fox News, uh, and, and I don't know what the other ones, maybe CNN does the same thing, but they're, what they brag is is that, that you got the same headlines every 15 minutes all throughout the day. I mean, just pound, 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 pound. Most of the stories negative. Most of it a bunch of junk. Most of it a bunch of stuff that has made you to see that what you don't have, what somebody's doing wrong to you, whatever, so that we can complain, so that we can, we can get all upset, so that we can just... And, and I think that that just kind of tips us off of our rocker a little bit because all we have to do in this world is to really listen to all that and be depressed and to be, and, and to be worried. And I was reading a couple of stories this last week where people are searching for meaning, where they're searching for, for satisfaction in life. And, and that's really kind of becoming the trend, I guess, that where people all around us, they're just not happy with their lives and they're searching for ways to just somehow replace the old life and start over. And in fact, I was reading one story where 
I was reading one story where a guy basically he wanted to start over and, and, and his life was going nowhere and so he put his life up and everything about him, his job, his everything he had on the internet and said, you know, you can have it for three and a half million dollars. Um, it, it's crazy. I mean, just to think about what that, what that looks like. Um, I thought that was interesting. Well, he didn't get three and a half million dollars, I'm telling you. Nobody thought his life was worth that. I will tell you that he got close to a half million. Interestingly enough. And now he's somewhere off, and it, this is just a recent story. Uh, well, I don't know this. I don't know when this happened, but throughout the time, uh, now I find out that he's taken that, that close to half million, bought some island somewhere in, I don't know. I, I, my geography's messed up on where he did that. But he bought some islands somewhere. He's got a new girlfriend, and, and he's, he's, he's just living the life and, and uh, out somewhere in, on some island somewhere. Um, incredible, incredible what, what happens. But, but there's a lot of people. And, but that's the challenge, I think, isn't it? This, that there's, there's this, this sense of something missing in our world today. We just can't help but think that, gosh, my life just isn't complete. What... There's got to be something that's missing, and, and, and we have to have it replaced. We've got to start over, and, and yet the things that we try to do to start over, are just they just don't work. They don't work. Outside of, and you know the answer to this, I think, that is ha outside of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship that we have with Jesus, in fact, believe it or not, makes you and I, it makes us all, say the word with me, saints. saints. It makes us all saints. Do you believe that? Now, that is really a term that we're really unfamiliar with in our culture, except for sort of by historical kinds of background. But, you know, we've grown up in this culture where saint stands for somebody that's really super-duper holy, you know, and, and or they've done some great thing, in the past that they've been canonized and they've been set aside in order to, 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 to be some sort of intermediary between God and, and men. And, uh, but that's not the way that the Bible presents it. In fact, we're going to look at two or three different texts, but, but for starters, I just want to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2 and read that, and it should be up on the screen here. The Apostle Paul writes to the church, and he says this to the Corinthian congregation. Here's what he says. He says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be, well, the word there is holy, but literally, uh, it's, uh, that's what that translation says, but literally it's the word saint, called to be saints, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. That, that term, sanctified, it, it, it just simply means that they're set apart. It means to be made holy. It means to be made, well, it means to be made a saint. And we are called to be saints. In fact, that's true of everyone everywhere who has been called by Jesus and who has called on the name of Jesus. They are saints. So whether you're a good saint or a bad saint, that certainly is up for grabs, right? But here's the, here's the truth. If you're a follower of Jesus who has identified with Christ in his death and resurrection, then that makes you a saint. 
Do you believe that? We're on the same page, right? Okay. But I think that that's a hard one for us because I think, quite frankly, I think we're not too used to that idea of saint. Um, and quite honestly, our experience with people who consider themselves saintly um, has, those experiences has not been very positive. Would you agree with that? Sometimes we see some of that happening. It kind of reminds me a little bit of my great Aunt Ellen's. I hadn't thought of her for quite some time. She's gone now. But I remember as a young kid going into her house. And we would walk in, and she had this kind of living room. But no one was allowed to go in there. Is that an oxymoron or what? It, it was a living room. And uh, it, it was gorgeous. But no one, I mean, no one ever went into Great Aunt Ellen's living room. I mean, no one ever set foot in it. it, it, it if, I mean, you've seen those houses and those rooms, haven't you? you know, I guess they call, maybe in the old, we were, um, we just went with the kids, with my boys, um, took them for the school. We went down to Galena, Illinois to check out um, um, General Grant, President Grant's, not his tomb, um, but we saw his, his house, and, and so we went in there, and basically there was a parlor in there. Nobody went into the parlor. That was, that was not your typical room for people to... You, you had other areas. Well, that was kind of great on Ellen's um, um, living room, is that nobody... I mean, absolutely nobody would go in there. There was never a footprint on the carpet. But that's literally what this means here, I think. When we think about this term, this, this idea of sanctified, meaning that it's, it's really it's set apart for a special purpose. Nobody could ever figure out what that special purpose for Great Aunt Ellen's room was. I don't know. But, but, but see, somebody who's a saint is somebody who is actually set aside, but they are also somebody who is... Holy. Now, don't understand that to mean, usually when I hear that, sometimes I think of the idea of being holier than thou. Okay, so don't, don't have that kind of an understanding in your mind, that kind of an image in your head, but it's, it's really somebody who has a different kind of life than the rest of the people around them. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's, what whole, that's what a holy, well, uh, that's what part of it is, um, part of that image has or should be in our, our minds when we think of someone who is holy. One commentator says about this particular text and about talking about saints, here's what he says. Take a look at it up on the screen here. Um, he says, a saint is someone whose life makes it easier to believe in God. Let that resonate just a little bit. A saint is someone whose life makes it easier to believe in God. That's, that's pretty incredible. That's not a bad definition, I think. This set-aside person, this, this person who lives a different kind of life, is an attractive person. That's why we appreciate them so much. And that people are attracted to them because they're attracted through them, I guess, they're attracted to God. There's a... There's a Impressionist, French Impressionist painter who made his historical mark in the early 1930s or in the early 1900s. And he was particularly known for his paintings of the faces of Jesus or the faces of Christ. And he, he painted dozens and dozens and dozens of these impressions of, of the face of Jesus. And, 
And, and somebody asked him one day, they said, you know, why, do you, why so many, why did you do so many places of Jesus? And he, here's what he said. He said, I wanted to paint one face so clear that, whenever, that when somebody looks at it, that they will be constantly converted, converted to Jesus. That they would be attracted to that. They would be attracted to the very persons of, G, of Jesus by, by painting that so clear. That's amazing. That's a saint. That's somebody in whose life so clearly that they see Jesus, that you are attracted to that particular person. But again, saint, I think, is such a difficult kind of thing. And I, I think that most of us, quite honestly, I think that, well, I, I just think that we don't think that we can be saints. So I want to set the record straight. If you're a follower of Jesus, raise your hand if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are holy. You may not live a holy life, but you are by definition a holy person. You are a saint, someone who has been set aside for a special purpose. See, that starts to get at the image, I think, of saint in the New Testament, because I think it's a very popular image. I, you know, the, the word Christian, you know, to call ourselves Christians, I, I think that, you know, that that appears on, or is used only once in the New Testament, maybe twice, um, but once that I know of. The word saint, though, is used repeatedly time and time again to talk about us. And so we are saints. And that, in some ways, describes our position. It describes our position. So that's the first thing I want you to do. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. A sainthood, the fact that we are saints, describes our position. It's, it's our relationship with God. It's, it's, not, it's not something that we achieve on our own. It's something that God simply pronounces. He says, this is your relationship with me. When you identify with my son Jesus, he says, I simply pronounce that you are, in fact, a saint. Uh, some of you may be familiar with the Roman Catholic position about being a saint. Um, to be a Roman uh, a saint in the Roman Catholic tradition, and, and, and I don't know a lot. I mean, I've read about this. I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs. But as I understand it, they, um, to be a, a saint in the Roman Catholic tradition, in fact, in, in many traditions of the world, it starts with the, the local bishops recognizing that somebody has done some pretty incredible things and therefore was worthy of consideration for sainthood. Done something really incredible, and it's like, you know what? Keep our eyes on that boy over there. He's doing some good things. And then that name of that particular person gets sent to a committee. It's made up of bishops and other kinds of, of people who looked at the history. They evaluate that life, and then they say, yeah, this person is in really good shape. They've done some pretty good things. And so then they send that on to the pope. Now, I'm, I'm probably you know, generalizing a lot of this, but they send that on to the Pope. The Pope takes a, a look at the activities of that person historically, and he decides that the person is worthy to be venerated. This is, in other words, a good person. It's a good thing to imitate their life. And then you have to prove that there was a posthumous uh, miracle. 
And so after, if after their death some miracle occurs in their life, uh, usually a relic, uh, something that they wore or a piece of their body produced a miracle, and you could prove that, then you could be canonized as a saint. Well, that, that's if two miracles actually have, have been done, actually, and you can't just have one. You have to have two proofs that somehow, somehow that there was a, a miracle that took place in their, in their life. And, you know, I think about that, and I, chances are you and I aren't going to make it. I'm just sorry about that. I just don't think that we we're going to get there. But you know what? <laughs> it's still true that we're saints. I'm just telling you. It says it right here. We're still saints. We are already saints. Now, some of us, I won't point any fingers, need a little cleaning up. You know, little, need, need more cleaning up. You know, we need to clean up a little bit. Some of us maybe look a little bit like this picture here. Probably most of us can identify. I thought this would be cool. I, I had this one put up there specifically for you, Ruth. Um, because you like dogs, not because your life is messy. But this guy, same dog, two different pictures, and I think that most of us can identify with the picture on the left. Our lives are messy, right? Most of us are like that. We, we, we're not bad. We're just kind of messy, and, and what needs to happen in our life is just we need a little cleaning up. And, and yet the Bible makes it clear. You can keep that one up there for a little bit. The Bible makes it clear that if you're a Christian, you're the one on the right. That's pretty tough to, to, to see that. Even when, when, when you're looking, every time you look in the mirror, you see what's on the left. The Bible says that we're on the right. Because really, and, and here's where I'm going with this, this isn't about what you do, right? There's nothing that we can do to make our life not a mess. It's what He does. It's what God has done in Jesus Christ. He is the one that makes us a saint. He's the one that makes us look good. So you can change that picture. I don't want us to all get... We don't need to see it anymore. But I want us to say this. Okay, so it's a position that we have. Uh, being a saint is a position that we have. And, and, but it's not just a position, and that's, I, that's to me is what's so fascinating because it's also, I think, a process. Being a saint is a process. Sanctification isn't something that just happens like that, right? Bang, there it is. It's something that, that I think takes a little bit of time. In fact, it's, it's fascinating, to me, fascinating to me to read this text in, in the book of Ephesians. You, you, you can turn there, Ephesians chapter 3. Um, you, you think that if becoming a holy person, if think of if becoming a righteous person, a person who was right before God, if, it, if developing into that person that God needs you to be could just happen all of a sudden, we wouldn't have prayers like Paul prays in, in Ephesians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is praying in Ephesians chapter 3 for a, for a church that actually has a... Ephesus, they had a great reputation. They were not uh, full of a lot of problems, and yet I want you to hear the prayer that, they, that he has for them in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, okay? I pray, are you with me so far? I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power 
through His Spirit in your inner being, now watch this, so that, that strengthening needs to happen, he says, so that, verse 17, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the saints, who are the saints? With all the other saints, that you would have the power together with all the other saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. I, I just got something, that, and I just thought of this. I got, I got something for you, and you can take this as, as this is something that's cool. You can write this down. That's fellowship. We talk about fellowship. We're going to have some this afternoon. We're going to be having a fellowship dinner or a picnic dinner or whatever. We talk about fellowship. That's the definition, the very definition of fellowship is getting together and recognizing what we have in common and being more firm standing in Jesus Christ as a result of our connectedness to, to each other. Right? Um, to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all, all the fullness of, of God. Do, do, do you hear what he's asking? He, I want you to grow. I want you to develop. I want you to understand. I want you to know more. I want you to grow so much, he says. I want you to grow until you are filled with all the fullness of God himself. I, I don't know about you, but I want that too for myself. But you know what? It's a process. It's, it's something that takes a little bit of time to get done. Now, the quote um, I'm about to read um, I was going through a bunch of stuff and found this um, here. Um, but this is, uh, some of you may, maybe will know who this person is, but for the rest of you, um, Bono is the lead singer, or used to be the lead singer of U2. I figured you would know that. Well. Yes. Okay. So, but anyway, he's not particularly known for his clean language. Um, he's, he is known, for, huh? Well, that's beside the point. He is known for doing a lot of good around the world. And he is a self-proclaimed believer. But this is a quotation from him. Just, this, is, this is a few years back. But he says this. I had this written down in some of my, uh, I got some files that have some, some things to use for later on. And I stumbled across this one day and I thought, oh, that's cool. I, I really got to use that. But anyway, he says, your nature is a hard thing to change. It takes time. I've heard of people who have life-changing, miraculous turnarounds, people set free from addiction after a single prayer, relationships saved where both parties let go and let God. But it was not like that for me, he says. For all of that, I was, you know, for all that I was lost, I am found. It is probably more accurate to say for, his, for himself, I was really lost. I'm a little less so at the moment. <laughs> Now, I don't know about you, but I can kind of relate to that, to that comment. But then he says this. He says, a little less, and then a little less again. That, to me, is the spiritual life. The slow reworking and rebooting the computer at regular intervals, reading the small print of the service manual, it has slowly rebuilt me into a better image. It has taken years, and it is not over yet. And if you read any of the headlines, I haven't heard about from him for, for some time, but... 
some of the things that I have heard, you know, I mean, he's correct. It's not over yet for him. He still needs a lot of improvement. But you know what? I do too. I'm just standing here telling you I need a lot of improvement. I, I know you guys all recognize that. I, I don't always. I need a lot of improvement. I'd say that about me and I, and because I just know what goes through my mind and my heart. You know, for something simple, just here's a simple example. When I sit down to write a checkout for the church, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know what you do when you, when, you, when you write your checkout. I struggle sometimes to make that an act of worship. And I want, I want that to be different than just you know, paying the electric bill. But sometimes it's just a struggle to make that an act of worship, which, what, which only lets me know one thing, that somewhere deep down inside of me that there are still some, some deep changes that need to occur. And I, you know, I hope that God is as patient with me as he is with Bono and, and every other person who ever named the name of Jesus. Because this is a process of becoming. It's a prayer that Paul prays that we would somehow begin to see that change occurring and, and that we would grow deeper and that we would grow deeper and we would grow deeper and, and good things happen when we allow that kind of growth to occur. But we all have to understand it's not going to happen through easy times. Right? Easy times don't help us grow. It's the trials in our lives. I think we know that well. That's what helps us move on. That's what helps us to trust. That's what helps us to cling. One of my favorite texts of scripture is, is Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Um, I think I have that one up here. Um, verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says that we're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Love that verse. Love it. I, I don't really know a lot about God's predestinating power. What I do know is this, that when I became a believer in Jesus, the one thing that God said about me was that one day I would look like Jesus. That, I believe, is His preordained plan. Now, it will not fully be complete until Jesus' return. That's what we find out in, in, in 1 John. But when I put Romans chapter 8, verse 29, in its context, it becomes really significant because Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is the one that says that God works together for all, uh, God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. We love to quote that verse, right? But do you understand the context of that and how that works? If you're going to become like Jesus, it's going to be through the events, it's going to be coming through the circumstances of your life as God works in those hard times. So it's a process. It's a process of becoming. See, when I look at my life, one of the things that I am so grateful for is the fact that, that I'm not the person that I used to be before I met Jesus. What used to be has been turned into something else. And the something else for me is so much better than what used to be. It's a process that we're engaged in, this becoming saintly. We become saints, but we're becoming saintly. Okay, so third one, and then we'll move on. It's not just a position, 
is not just a process, but it's also a practice. It, it's something that goes on in our lives. Uh, you, you don't just assume the position of saint and then, you know, but you have to do the position of saint. Now, God is going to work with you. God will continue to shape you. God will continue to mold you if you'll let him. But one of the things that, I, that has, has to happen is that you can't sit around and, say, and wait and say, you know, when I get to this point of sainthood, then I'm going to start behaving like a saint. Right? We know that doesn't make sense. But no, you start practicing sainthood now. Uh, I, I'm going to show you what that looks like. Go a little further into the uh, book of Ephesians to chapter 5. Take a peek at that. There's this remarkable text in Ephesians 5 that I think in essence says this, that this is what it means to be saintly. Uh, it's, it's, that's not how it's worded, but I, I want you to listen to it anyway. But verse number 15, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, where he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as wise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, he says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. All right, so here's the will of the Lord, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled. The text literally says, keep on being filled. Instead, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just this really wonderful verb, this being filled with the Holy Spirit, he says. It's a wonderful verb that indicates something that you just keep on doing it over and over and over and over again. Some of us, have, we've been trained, I think, to believe that you know, when we become Christians, God sends his Holy Spirit into us, and, and that's all we need. Th this is a different kind of thing. It's not just a receiving of the Spirit. We're talking about being filled with the Spirit, and he does it over and over and over again in us. We get more of that as he works through our lives. Um, he, he takes up residence and works through, through, through us. But it's just, just keep it on doing over. You keep on being filled with the Spirit. Now the question is, what does that look like? You, you see, to be a saint is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be holy is to be set apart and to live the life of the Spirit. Well, what does that, the life of the Spirit look like? How, how would you know if I was achieving it? How would you know if I was actually being, you know, practicing saintly living? Well, I think that the text here is just abundantly clear. I'll, I'll just take a second. I'll, I want to walk through this and then let you study it later on. But if you take a look, for example, the very next verse, it says this, verse number 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the things that marks a saint is that they worship. I mean, it's just a part of who we are. It, 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 if you're not worshiping, if you're not a worshiping person, if you're coming into the presence of God and, 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 and honoring God with your words and your life, if that's not exciting to you, that's not saintly. That may be the place where, where you need to grow. It, it doesn't mean you're not a saint. It just means that that may be where you need to grow, where you learn to give thanks to God, where you learn to, to honor God, where you learn to encourage one another with songs and, and spiritual um, uh, songs. And we, we don't just want to come in here and be entertained, right? We want to engage in that process 
and let God know what's really happening inside of our hearts. And he couples that then with the second mark, which is to be thankful. <laughs> wow. Right? To be thankful in everything. Now that could be hard. You know, there are some days that there are some pieces of news that for me that are just not that easy for me. They're just not easy. I, I know I've mentioned this before, but probably the hardest funeral I've ever had to sit through was my father's. And you know, funerals are really hard. And e even as a believer, I, I still have that, that, that human grief. But, but I was sitting there during you know, the funeral, of, and, and the preacher got up and he started talking about all the things that we have to be thankful for. And he began to talk about the body that is now whole. And I stopped listening right then and there. And I thought to myself, you know what? He's exactly right. As hard as funerals are, there are things about which we have to be thankful. That is the life, I think, of a saint, is somebody who has learned that in any situation to find that for which they should be thankful. So then the next thing that he says in this text is submit to one another. Did you notice that? That's a tough one. Um, you, you haven't noticed that uh, actually yet because I haven't read it, sorry. But it is the next verse. It is the next verse in verse number 21. Uh, submit to one another. See, actually he's talking about mutual submission. He's saying that that is a mark of a saint. The ability for us to submit to other people. The ability, ability for us to serve other people and, and not to always be into con control, which he immediately follows up with this whole husband-wife thing. He goes through this long passage about wives, you need to love your husbands, and husbands, you know, love your wives, and be submissive to one another, and respect one another, and all that stuff. Uh, and he follows that up immediately with parents. Parents, obey your, you know, be careful how you raise your children, to respect your, your children, and, and children respect your parents, and obey them in the Lord. Dads, don't exasperate your children to anger, and all that stuff. And, but see, one of the marks of a saint of somebody who is practicing saintliness is one who has their home as one of the places where God just, just becomes alive. And then the last thing he says is slaves and master, which I think, I think the closest thing that we have in our culture would be employers and employees. But see, I think that the mark of a real Christian, of a saint, is how they live their what life out at, in, in the workplace, even there, especially there because that's where people see you under pressure. So anyway, in conclusion, uh, just what does this mean? This, this saintly thing is, it, I, I just think it's such a difficult thing to, to really grasp, especially because of the way our culture sees that. But see, some of us have been made to be saints. Some of us, some of us are in the process of being saints. All of us need to be saints, though. It's just that some of us need more work than others. I'm speaking of me. Yeah. I was thinking of you too, Pat. Okay. So I want you to see this picture here really quick. My dream car. My dream car. In case anybody wants to, to uh, give me a Christmas present or something sometime. is a Actually, this is a 65 GTO. Um, I really want to have a 1964 Pontiac Le Mans, which is the Le Mans, the Tempest, the GTO were the same pretty much, mm -hmm. other than the engine package. I'd really love to have a GTO or a Le Mans. You can get that. Um, that's my dream car. And I've um, always wanted to restore one. But that picture there obviously needs restoring. 
um, if you can see it. Um, I've had a couple of opportunities to do that. We can talk about that some other time. But this here looks a little bit like, that car there looks a little bit more like, it looks a little bit like my life before Jesus came around. Um, maybe you can relate to that. But see, one of the things that you discover, I think, is that the wreck that you had in your life, I mean, frankly, it just, you didn't think that it could ever be repaired. You, never, you didn't think it could ever be restored. But that's not what God says. That, that's not what God says at all. God says that there is not a life out there that I can't fix. Not, a, not, not one, not a single one. And so um, I, this is a little bit of trick photography. It's not the same car. I'll just be up front with you. I found two pictures of two cars that looked like they could be the same car. But this next one's, this next one's what I hoped it, it might look like. That, that is the same year, same car, everything else. And that's what it should look like. Ooh, ah, but that's my dream car and what it'll look like someday. And I'm, I'm, I'm not planning on getting one of those anytime soon. Um, would love to, again, in case one of you guys wants to get me a Christmas present. But anyway, um, I think that's what a saint is. A saint is simply a rusty, old, broken-down car that is no longer broken down because someone restored it and recreated it, everything on it that was broken so that now it looks brand new. That's what a saint is. See, that's what God does with us. If we want to move from whatever it is that, that we are to becoming a saint, we just need to scoot over real close to Jesus and have that personal relationship with him and that process then he starts and he moves in and he begins the recreation of our life. But it doesn't start there, just, just, it doesn't end there. He keeps on recreating our lives. He's doing that in our lives today. We've got to let him do that. It's, just a, it's not a one-time deal. He recreates our lives every day. Let's pray together. Father, I do, I do praise you and I thank you for just the things that you do in our lives. We thank you for making us saints. And sometimes I know we don't, may not in fact feel saintly. But you have, you have ordained, you have told us that if we belong to Jesus, we are in fact him. And I pray as we've, we've discussed and we've talked about this standing up for Jesus all day, that you would help us to be the kind of people that, that would live up to our saintly status. That we would be saints of Jesus Christ. Not because we're perfect, because we don't make mistakes. Because, in fact, that we seek a life that is one of obedience and faithfulness to you. And that is my prayer, that as we leave this place today, at some point, that we would, we would seek to always trust you and obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We need to have offerings. Did I forget that already? You're going to think that I didn't want anybody to. Why don't we? You're going to think that I didn't. It was your job to remind me today. Oh, come on. I was going to. Okay. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon these.